It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. It is California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn, Rodney Strong Vineyards, and Davis Bynum Wines. Our guest today is Nova Peril from Fapiano Vineyards. And every time you're in, I we go through this again because I always ask. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you guys say Fapiano or Fapiano? Either could, one, I guess. Either, either one. I go either one. You know, I think... And, uh, you know, yeah, it's either one. It, my, my late great dear friend, Pete Fapiano, which is yeah. what I've called him for years, and then uh, when he was co-hosting with me, he was always saying Fopiano, so I started going to Fopiano. Yeah, yeah. No, either one. And he, he he would always say either one. I don't care. Fapiano, Fopiano. And, and I think some emphasis on the A and the N. Fopiano is, is how I hear it around the winery <laughs> once in a while. Too. Really? Fopiano. Just as long as you spell it right on the checks, right? <laughs> now, uh, it's Fabiano. Uh, I'm going to go with Fabiano. Fabiano yeah. Vineyards. Uh, the story of Fabiano uh, is a family epic full of tradition, perseverance, and contributions to the history of Sonoma County and the wine industry. And it's so true. Um, I just love Giovanni Fabiano. Yeah. Founded in 1896. Give us the history there. Yeah, so 1896 till now. And going forward, you know, it's uh, one of the oldest family-owned wineries in Sonoma County, for sure, and even California. So it's it's been around for, and it's seen uh, it's seen a lot of the ups and downs of the wine business. I think uh, wine. I think you know, going back, I, w- I, try, I always try to picture those days. I mean, picture Healdsburg in you know, eighteen ninety <laughs> or nineteen hundred. It's pretty casual living. You know, you've got uh, the big city, San Francisco, down the way, and. But everything is, you know, it's very country living. You know, hard to compare the two. You're looking at Healdsburg today versus back then. And uh, I just picture those folks landing there and, and thinking to themselves, wow, this looks a lot like Italy, or, man, this soil looks great for growing veggies. I don't think they had any idea what was coming their way 100 years later, <laughs> you know, looking at uh, the winery now and how the wine business in Sonoma County has uh Blossomed up so all the way through prohibition, you know, through the well, war years. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up because, yeah. uh, like so many wineries, you survived prohibition mm-hmm. in the twenties by selling home winemaking kits, which I always smile at and kind of laugh at. I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, when, when they say home winemaking kits, what they'd send you the grapes and yeah, they were actually dried grapes, and you'd add water and sugar, and uh, they would <laughs> in in Texas, which was dry. Completely during Prohibition, uh, you could you could sell the uh, you could sell the grapes to them, but you had uh, you had uh, a lot of local uh, ordinances that prohibited that, including even though the federal government allowed the homeowner to make two hundred gallons, so the people would be shipping grapes from California to Texas, and inside the box of grapes would be a uh, uh, a little uh, message that said. Please do not add water and sugar, or this will ferment. <laughs> Good Lord, Texas! You could, you could wind up with wine. <laughs> Be careful! Wow, uh, Nova Barrel yeah. is the winemaker at uh, Fabiano, uh, and give us yeah. your history and your background again. Yeah, so my history, in a nutshell, you know, I graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, great school, um, originally an ag school. Now, you know, very famous for engineering and the like but um 
But it was a gr- it, it was, and I suppose it, still is. A oh great, yeah, no, it still is a wine making uh, school. Yeah, it's it's it competes with Davis and Fresno certainly on that right, level, right, and right. I'm I'm certainly proud to be an alumni. That w- it's uh, you know the idea going down there now and seeing what all how they've uh, retrofitted the campus and how world class it is is makes me feel proud for sure. <laughs> but that was my start, and actually my degree was in ecology. So I, I was going to be a marine biologist, actually. Wow. That was my goal growing up on the Mendocino Coast here in California. And uh, went there, got the ecology degree, and then went into crop science as as kind of a – because they were so similar. Ecology has a lot to do – a lot of insect, you know, pest interactions, um, things like that. And it seemed natural that, uh, oh, I'll just – you know, not quite ready to jump into the workforce. So – Got my went through the master's program in in crop science with an emphasis in viticulture. At the time, it was a dry campus, so they weren't making wine necessarily. I mean, you could you learn everything up to that point. Now but they were teaching now, you. Yeah, they would how they would it. they would teach us, and and we actually did make some wine. It wasn't you know it wasn't one hundred percent dry. I, mean, I think you could do it for educational purposes, and you know uh-huh. in the dorms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. But you know, after that, that was that was my my foot in the door, so to speak. But I didn't have no, I, I didn't have any idea what I was getting into when it came to actual winemaking. You know, my family's not from wine grow or not associated with wine growing in any way. We drive past the vineyards growing up, of course, but that was about it. And uh, I got my first job at a, a small winery, but very well known, uh, Mount Eden Vineyards in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Mm-hmm. Dan was just telling me he had a Mount Eden 1975 Mount Eden Cabernet the other day. Really good wine. I didn't participate in that, making that wine, but that was where I first, that's where I started, and I learned pretty much everything I needed to know. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. It was the foundation of my knowledge, really, because, you know, we'd be working the, driving the tractor literally one day, uh, pouring wine for the public another day, topping barrels from, from start to finish, you know, talk about grape to bottle. That was the experience <laughs> that. I needed, you know, and uh, it was really hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, as they say. But it kind of gave me what I what I needed to know the basics, the very strong basics, and then everything after that is just creativity. I think, you know, once you know the potential outcomes of various decisions, then everything after that is just creativity. You just know your bounds, so you you play within your bounds, and you can really make some uh, interesting wines that. Uh, you know, don't taste like everybody else's. And hopefully that's what we're doing at, at Fopiano. Uh, Dan, go ahead and give us your Fopiano, Fapiano. Uh, uh. Pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you say, Fop or Fop? I say Fop, Fopiano because that was what Lou Fopiano told me I should say. But, okay. that's, you know, <laughs> but that's a family thing. So a- I, and I should have known that this was going to come up. I should have went to the family and figured this out because every time, I think this is my fourth time on the show. And every time, every time it comes up, this is, yeah. one, this is one of the main things. you'll come back what was until I thinking? you get the answer. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, uh, Paul Fopiano is the vine- vineyard manager, and uh, I believe he's just replaced the late bass player in ZZ Top. I love that guy. <laughs> I mean, look at him, Ken. He is so cool. He's been in before. Uh, yeah, Dan, your thoughts on Fopiano? Well, it's a family-owned uh, project. It's in the Russian River Valley, but it's at, at a, in a place in Russian River where you can actually ripen more than just Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So Chardonnay is really, really good. That's what we're drinking right now. This is the current release, uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also wonderful red wines there, but it's not just Pinot Noir. I mean, Pinot Noir is Russian River Valley's calling card for red, 
but boy, that this 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 guy Nova really knows what he's doing when it comes to Carignan, and this Carignan is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, you know, the, it's funny. I was, we were talking about this subject. You know, the Russian River Valley has an Appalachian. You know, it's got a lot of sub Appalachians, uh, but it's big, and it goes all the way from the coast, Fort Ross Sea View. All the way to where we essentially where the winery is, coincidentally and 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 you know thankfully so. If you picture where the winery is, just south of south of Healdsburg, it's right at the right at the northern tip of the valley. So you got all the sunshine you need to ripen fruit, but you have also the river is borders the property. So you have all the cooling influences of the river, and really what that gives you is just the diversity to be able to grow anything anything you want. We've got Cabernet Sauvignon. Carignan, Zinfandel, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, you know, uh, and Petite Syrah, of course, which you know is the flagship of the winery. It's a varietal that's not, you know, as common, but has been around winemaking forever. I mean, I think it goes yeah. back to blend, blending in wine forever. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Petite Syrah, actually. Yeah, it's it'll. One of my guys I work with, uh, cellar guys, says. Um, Petit Syrah is the only wine that makes his ears warm. <laughs> so it's the perfect wintertime wine, you know what I mean? No, I want to go back to your story because yeah. we frequently have guests on, uh, and when we ask them to tell us their story, they start, well, I was doing this, and I thought I was going to do this, but then I started to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, they started studying something, but they end up in the wine business. And mm-hmm. I also often ask them, "What do you recall the point where you decided this is what I want to do instead of this? So you started wanting to do marine biology, right. and you ended up being a winemaker. So yeah. is there something you can attribute that change in direction to? Well, I was never firmly rooted in marine biology per se. So I think that helped me, you know, change course without too much fuss. And really, you know, I'm uh, growing up and, you know, the things that I enjoyed doing were pretty, you know, they were I always felt like I had a green thumb in the garden, you know, could grow things well, and I enjoyed that kind of thing. I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be a part of agriculture, I think, is, is that, was, that was somewhere in my head. And really what happened was, I mean, it was all so coincidental and interesting looking back because I left Cal Poly, moved to the Santa Clara Valley, you know, where um, – my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, so we were pretty much together and have been ever since. We, we, we moved in, and I just sent my resume to every winery within commute distance. I didn't even have an idea of what I was really doing <laughs> with that strategy. Well, you're on the right radio program. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why it's so funny looking back. It's like, okay, what a uh, interesting thing uh, looking back. But at the time, it, you know, it feels like uh, – if it didn't pan out, for example, if no one answered my call, then what would I be doing now? You know, would I be a radio host? Probably not. <laughs> but that, that would have been a mistake. But, <laughs> Trust me. But you know, that's the that's the path that that where where it led. And I think one of the keys is that I was I was up for it. I was up for the challenge of uh, learning what I didn't know, uh, knowing that I somewhere. In me, I liked that lifestyle. You know, it's not as easy as you know. Without trying to congratulate myself, it's not as easy as people think to, you know, grow take because you're living an agricultural lifestyle. I mean, everyone talks about how challenging the farmers pretend he's not growing grapes, 
pretending he's growing cucumbers or something like that. I mean, it's you work very hard, you bring in your crop, and you hope to break even at best. And oftentimes you're not. And, and great growing so a whole. Up, it's up to Mother Nature. Yeah. So much of it. Yeah, you make a deal with Mother Nature, and you really have to be in it for the enjoyment of, you know, that's how you're going to live your life because there's no weekend. The, the concept of a weekend or whatever doesn't exist in, <laughs> in agriculture. You know, sunset, sundown. You work when there's light. I mean, that's very old-fashioned. But now you got lights, so we're hand-picking all night long and, and, you know, doing crazy things to get the crop in on time in its best shape. And, you know, there's, there's a few, you know, vineyards and wineries, that, you know, more than a handful that are, are – able to do it profitably and certain we are too but grape growing is is not this extravagant lifestyle i mean really you no. with the with the price exactly. of fuel and blah 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 i mean all the things that go into growing is you know it's you're you're breaking even and you're providing for a workforce and you're you know you're just enjoying what you've got and uh you got to really be able to appreciate that if you're going to make it. <laughs> it's California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn, Rodney Strong Vineyards, and Davis Bynum Wines. Our guest today is Nova Peril, the winemaker at Fopiano Vineyards. Uh, after the break, we'll talk more about how people can visit you and what events uh, they may be seeing or wanting to go to. And, of course, we'll talk about estate and reserve tasting and even large party tasting experiences. In the meantime, this shard, what year is this, Nova? I think you've got the 2016. Ooh. I made a – so, you know, having been on the show a couple times, I know that you like your shards, and I know that Dan likes wines that have a little bit of age on them. So Dan goal, likes anything as long <laughs> as it's old. I'm old, so why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Professional that's why, uh, courtesy. That's why so, he likes me. <laughs> <laughs> so I got – I brought in a shard, uh, uh, an older shard, relatively older. I mean, I, I've, I think Chardonnay is underappreciated for its ability to age. Not in this know. studio. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a 16 shard from the estate, and I – It's lovely. Yeah, thank you. Dan, thank tell you. me why I like this. So well, much. first of all, it's got a little bit of lemon curd component, but, but I, I also like the fact that the acidity is keeping it fresh and lively, mm-hmm. in, spite, in spite of the fact that it's got some age on it. It's already 16, so that's six years old. And most people would say six-year-old Chardonnay is a little tired. No, not this one. This one's got some freshness. It's it really, really does. Yeah. yeah, that lemon curd, that, that's a good descriptor. It has It's creamy. It's got a little bit of – it still has some freshness from the – you know, it's it's lemon. You got that character, and then to, to you know balance it out vintage wise, we, I brought the current release too, 2021, which um, is showing a lot of the same characters. I'm really pleased actually with how the 21 is tasting, and it's always fascinating to see how they how there are similarities. The same block, you know, the same estate grown fruit, and the fun part is seeing how wow that you know the the, the new one obviously going to be a little fresher and a little tastier. Yeah, pour me a taste of the new one, if you would, please. Yeah, that's this guy right here. Yeah. Now, have you had the twenty-one, Dan? Yet? No, I just is. I'm sipping on it right now, and this is really delicious. This is really bright. You, I know what. I think I know what you did, but I'm not going to go into it. We we don't need any more geek alerts around here. But I, this is slightly Burgundian. We got to have one today. Is the last geek alert in the old studio? Okay, we ready? Are ready for it? I think he probably didn't use very much DAP in this because this has got a geek little alert. Bit, okay. <laughs> DAP tonight at Hot Monk Sebastopol. Thank you very much. One of my that. favorite bands. Just for me. Yes. I yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, DAP. Yeah. Yeah, no, you don't want that. Uh, yes, I do. Much. All right, it's it's, it's Burgundy. No, it, if you if you try to make the wine with a little bit of 
austerity and combine that with a little bit of uh, uh, brioche character. Okay. So there's a little okay. trace of that brioche character in this aftertaste. So this is Burgundian in that respect, but it's mostly California. So it's about 85% California and 15% Burgundy. To me, that's a great structural balance. Well, I like the 21. Uh, Isn't it delicious? It is. Yeah. How <laughs> long should we lay it down, boy? Well, I, it's, a, it's a matter of taste. I would say one more year before it reaches that point where it's going to show a little bit more of the of the wildness of of that ferment, but then after that you're on your own. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big night. A couple hours in the de- decanter. <laughs> Decanting it would be actually beneficial in this case. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I like the, the 16 is really it's interesting because you know tasting them side by side. You get a lot of the similar character. The 16 just has a little bit more body, a little bit more fatness in the middle that I think comes with age. Without question. Yeah. And it kind of comes, you know, the the newer, the fresher one, I mean, it's it's going to come across as a little fresh. Fresh. It's fresher. <laughs> <laughs> but the 16, right, it's got, it's la- it, it lacks that, you know, youthfulness, but it makes up for complexity. And that's it, that's that, life in a nutshell. Yes, that's it. <laughs> the 2016 is very complex, and I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah, it's a delicious wine. There's plenty of it to take home, Steve. Yes, and since <laughs> I'm taking this home, I will decant it for a couple hours tonight. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we got some red here, too. This is, what do you got? Well, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry. Cal- <laughs> it is California wine country, brought to you by Bottle Bar and Rodney Strong Vineyards and Davis Bynum Wines. Nova Peril, the winemaker of Fopiano Vineyards, is with us. Let's talk briefly about... Uh, Visiting Fopiano, uh, mm-hmm. you guys do a state and reserve tasting. You have some large party tasting experiences available as well. And obviously, you go to uh, fopiano.com so you can make the reservations and such. Yeah, we're, 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 you know, we drop ins are welcome, of course. Uh, we, we, you know, we just try to just picture the old, what, what people think of the old days of tasting wine in Sonoma County. In a positive way, um, we are we strive to be that. It's very casual. We try to have a you know a good atmosphere. If folks want to be left alone and you know just enjoy the scenery, the the tasting room is right on the vineyard there, so you can sit in the picnic tables and and look or stroll around. I mean, it's it's being a historic winery and vineyard. We try to make it you know we try to capture that for our guests, and when they come, we're happy to see them. And the estate and reserve tasting, uh, mm-hmm. the flight there takes you on a sip-by-sip exploration of the flav- flavors of your Russian River vineyards, mm-hmm. and you can taste through five wines. That's a cool thing. And then the large party tasting experiences. It's up to 12 people. Yeah, I think, geez, I guess we would take 12 easy, and then anybody else who wanted to join, too. Again, very casual. Yeah, You know, if you're going to bring a big group, you're more than welcome. Just have to know in advance. But like I said, drop-ins are welcome, and it's it's right off Old Redwood Highway. I think people have driven by it for so many years that it's just becomes part a landmark that's just there, and you don't even notice it anymore. But really, it's uh, it's a for locals and tourists alike. I think it's a great place. It's just to visit. what five or six minutes from Hillsburg. It's really easy yeah. to get to. Couple you miles. also do dinners. Yeah, once in a while. I mean, we'll do. Um, we try to do a lot of. Uh, Events to just bring people out, whether they're industry or just – it's such a – it really is a unique spot. You know, you're getting on the back patio there, and you're looking out, and you can kind of see where the, the river is and, 
you know, the sun setting, and you know, it's pretty magical stuff. This is what people come from all over the world to witness and appreciate. So we try to do as much as we can to get people to come in, and so so dinners, uh, wine club events. I mean, our wine club is, you know, we're always actively trying to get our wine club, you know, make them feel appreciated. You know, it's just again, it's trying to do what we can to get the wine out there, to get people uh, enthusiastic about the wines, and and give people a good enjoy, enjoying experience. And Fopiano wines can be had at Bottle Barn and uh, various restaurants and such. Yep. Yep. All true. I think the most impressive thing about these wines is that they have become better and better and better in the last decade. And the But the other part of it is that as part of that improvement is the food compatibility of these wines. And this red that you just served is 19. Well, we, we just tasted the 15 Carignan, which mm-hmm. was incredible wine. But the 19 is a knockout. Yeah, the 19 has got... It, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised <laughs> that it had so much really like fresh berry oomph in the mid palate. It's, mm. you know, really, really a nice wine. Carignan is such an interesting varietal. I mean, that's, we haven't talked much about the, that one. We talked about the Chard a bit. You know, Carignan, you know, in, in Europe, you know, it used to be kind of the backbone of the Rioja. It's kind of a, uh, sp- Spanish in origin for sure. And it was very widely planted in Europe. Um, Rioja is mainly Tempranillo now. You know, I don't. I don't even know when that switchover, what that transformation from, you know, having Carignan go, you know, to to Tempranillo. But that doesn't matter. In California, anyways, viticulturally, it was planted a lot. It was, you know, probably the main uh, main staple, the backbone of a lot of the jug wines that people had over the years. And so, and co- consequently, I think a lot of it was ripped out. People said, "Oh, we don't. We're not interested in jug wine anymore." And so they they ripped it out, and it turns out it had a lot to offer <laughs> all the way along. So <clears> coming from a cooler climate, you yeah. get so much better acidity, and this wine is brilliant. It's not acid in any way; mm-hmm. it's structured, and the structure is just perfect for beef stew with a bay leaf in it. Killer, yeah. killer. Wine. Dan, which one are you tasting? I'm tasting the 19. Okay. I mean, you got the 15 in front I've of you. I got the 15. And isn't I, that delicious? I just took a taste, and my God, yes. That's an absolutely fabulous it's wine. It's a Carignan. Yeah. yeah. And, and you did say that there were a few cases left of the 15 at the winery. Yeah, yeah. We do have a, we have a good library. I mean, that's one of the – I think it's, it's hard. It's easy and hard at the same time, but it's when – you, when you're in business for as long, you know, a place like Fopiano, who's around for so long – you, if you keep everything, you don't have a warehouse big enough <laughs> for all the wines you you know all those right. vintages. But so we don't have. I think from 1977 roughly onward, we have a decent you know one case of the of pretty much everything, every vintage. Uh, we have a much more robust inventory of library wines you know since maybe uh, 2014, 15, and. To answer your question, yes, we have some of the 15 couple cases left. And we love to show the older wines. I mean, wines never – I shouldn't say never. Wines rarely get to see the age sometimes they need to show their best. You know, the old – you know, aged in the trunk of the car from the wine store, from Bottle Barn to the, to the I house. I was about to say, if you <laughs> needed some more uh, storage space, the trunk of Steve's car is always available. <laughs> It is my yeah. wine cellar, yes. Yeah, and and wines do improve with age. Not every wine is made to improve, right? I mean, I think you guys have touched on this subject over and over on Wine Wednesday, but 
Never discussed it with Dan. Never. <laughs> wines wines uh, that are made with some degree of authenticity will certainly improve with age. There's no doubt about that. And I think one of the one of the rare but um, amazing gifts of wine is that if you have the wherewithal to enjoy wines, uh, the same wine over a period of time, you'd be amazed at how they change. And then witnessing a wine, you know, peaking and then starting to go downhill is uh, you know a, re- a revelation in itself how wines uh, are alive. I, I actually like wine as it begins to decline because you can you can catch it. And we love you because you're beginning to decline. <laughs> well, one, one of these days I'll call myself old, but right now I'm, I'm okay. And you'll lay yourself down for six years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I survive that period. No, hey. but you said something uh, that intrigued me. You yeah. were surprised, I think you said, how the, how the 2019 turned out. Don't you know when you make something how it's going to be? Well, <laughs> uh, no. I think, wi- I think winemakers who try... This would be a bold statement, of course, and people might not appreciate it. But I think peop- winemakers who know, think they know, the outcome of their wines are, in a way, they're kind of kidding themselves. It's such a dynamic liquid, right? It's always changing. The the, the reactions that are going on in the, in the fermenter all the way to aging in the bottle are so dynamic and unpredictable that there's no... There, there are some basic parameters. There's chemistry you can look at. Uh, you can make good predictions. But when a wine surprises you for in, in a positive way, it's, it's really great you know, because it could do the opposite too. <laughs> the the winemaker is always trying to make those calls on the fly. You cannot believe the hectic, chaotic nature of a, of a harvest. And for the seven or eight or ten weeks that it is, mm-hmm. the winemaker is doing 73 things at one time and having to make all these decisions, these barrel after barrel after barrel. And a barrel is only 25 cases. Mm-hmm. And if you're making 1,000 cases, you've got a lot of different barrels to deal with. And you've got every single barrel is a problem child. Mm-hmm. And end result is that in the middle of this whole thing, you have to be making these decisions that not only affect how the wine is going to look when it's released, but also what it's going to be like in 10 years. Yeah. These are really tricky decisions. Yeah, and then and exact, that's exactly right. And then on bottling day, you, you, the culmination of all that work, so all, all the, the vineyard labor and the harvesting and the fermentation, aging, blending, and then you bottle it and you're, you're really sending it out the door. You know, you're, you're an empty nester at that point, <laughs> so to speak. Because once it's in the bottle, the job is done and now it's just going to do what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. And when a wine uh, improves and shows well, then it is very reassuring. I have one great addition to that or supplement. 2011 was a year that was so cold and was so tricky in terms of the vintage, and winemakers were bitching and moaning. But behind all that, most winemakers admitted to me privately, this is going to be a great year for aging wine. And the 2011s were not greeted with much respect around the world of wine, but winemakers loved them, and I loved them, and I bought a whole bunch of 11s, and they're all now 12 years, 11 years old, 12, almost 12 years old, and now we're looking at them and I'm saying, these really turned out to be great. Why was the press so, so harsh on this vintage? Mm-hmm. Because it was not seductive. It was not a seductive year. You just had to be patient. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. 
Every vintage does tell a story, you know. And I think that 2011 that Dan's mentioning, it was it was cold and there was some wa- – but that's the whole point of wine. It's a story. It's a little story in a bottle, you know. And if you can – so you open that wine and it, and it, you know, it conjures up memories. You think about what happened that year. You know, it's it's a little trip down memory lane. If the wines are made, you know, from you know, state bottled wines, it's it's if you want to go that far, it's pretty magical. Steve prefers stories with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a picture book guy too, so don't feel yeah. bad, Steve. I, you know, Dan, it's funny because uh, 2011, when the late great Ben Pearson had your role on California Wine Country, uh, I remember 2011 and and talking to. The winemakers coming mm-hmm. in and going, ooh, could be a tough year. We don't know. You yeah. knew, Dan, but I... Uh, I was living here since 86, and I saw that vintage as my favorite vintage of all time, even before <laughs> they picked the fruit. I was saying, this is my yeah. wine. I've been waiting for this for my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> so it took me... Now, of course, I was the one who was laying the wines down, so that helped. <laughs> well, of course. It, the yeah. wines weren't in your trunk. No. <laughs> 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 no, your trunk is the cellar. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Nova Peril, a winemaker at Fopiano Vineyards, fopiano.com. You need to check them out. It's a lovely place, and uh, they make lovely wines, and they have a lot going on. Any events coming up? Uh, I don't know. We're in Yeah, I think there's now, food. There's, uh, what's it like, food and wine affair or something? You know, the, the Sonoma County... You know the the wine growers commission and all that they put on these great events to try and get people to come up from the city. You know, there's winter wineland and things right. like that. There, right. passport weekends, stuff like that. I'm not 100 percent up on the current calendar. Well, that's not your there. gig. You're the winemaker. Yeah, well, it's, it feels pretty luxurious to be able to ignore the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> not always that easy, but uh, I do. Uh, Dan, well, I lo- more I, about Fopiano. On, well, on I really your- love I love uh, the the casual attitude at Fopiano. It's, like, it's not this is not chandelier country. I mean, I mean, we're talking. This is really this is what wine country used to be a hundred years ago or fifty years ago, and it's so charming. It's so delightful. It's it's you walk into that property and it's there's no pretension whatsoever. Um, it's ca- casual, really delicious wines, beautiful views. Uh, within you know five minutes of Healdsburg, so if you need to get lunch, there's always a place to eat up there. Uh, you're not mm-hmm. far from other wineries. Other wineries are nearby too, so it's it's really. I mean, look, Rodney Strong is right down the road from, from yeah, here. Yeah, you know, exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> nice way to work the plug in, Dan. Sorry, <laughs> we're, we're we're in good company with our neighbors. We have that strip of old Redwood Highway between East Side Road and where it hits 101. It's got a lot of. There's. It's waiting. It's a. It's 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 ready to be discovered, re- rediscovered. There's no doubt. Since 1896, Fopiano uh, uh, Vineyard, Vineyards and Winery, mm-hmm. uh, founded in 1896 by Giovanni Fopiano, a uh, an Irishman apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> of strong Irish descent, like myself. <laughs> and Nova, how That's long the connection. Have, how long have you been with them? This will be uh, eight years coming up. Wow. Eight years, right. yeah. So, I, had, you know, I broke off my story, you know, working at Mount Eden, starting my career. Then I was at Dry Creek Vineyards, Dry Creek Valley, for seven years, and then uh, at Fopiano for the last eight. So well, it, it takes... <coughs> great to see you again, buddy. Yeah. And I, I appreciate th- you coming in. I th- yeah. We're I, out of time. I,